One Team Media. Welcome to the DGD Podcast. Juan Daniels, touchdown Georgia. This is your favorite receiver, Juan Daniels. And you're listening to the DGD Podcast with my man, Robert Reynolds. Go dogs! Welcome to this episode of the DGD Podcast. As always, the NCDGD himself, Robert Reynolds, and Juan Daniels got a special guest uh, someone specific you may not know, but uh, Kagan Johnson, uh, father of Jalen Johnson. Uh, you know him from the receiver that was a walk-on and now on scholarship. Well, guys, welcome again. It's obviously Friday. Uh, South Carolina uh, do, is looming tomorrow. Uh, you know, if for anybody that's not familiar, uh, Kagan actually graduated from USC, so it kind of has a significance him uh, for him, I would assume, uh, with, with his son playing at Georgia. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later. Obviously, we're just going to sit here and do a, a really good, I think, uh, preview of the game tomorrow. Uh, you know, what to expect. I think players that could make a statement, uh, you know, things like that. We'll also do some score pr- uh, predictions toward the end of the show. Uh, also, some SEC power rankings leading into week three. Uh, but first, before we get started, let's make a shout out to my guys over at Lots of Rain. Uh, excellent watches at affordable prices. Also, law-terrain.com, use code DGD at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. Guys, South Carolina tomorrow, 7.30, red out at Sanford Stadium. I think it's going to be a crazy environment, first night game back with a full uh, full house. Juan, you've played here. Uh, you know, what's it like playing USC prep uh, from a preparation standpoint in your mind? Um, they're always a, a, a tough draw. And, and of course, you know, the time that, that, that Kagan was at USC, um, you know, I, I lost twice. So I lost to a, a guy by the uh, last name, Tanny Hill, um, the guy that had the mullet. I'm pretty sure you remember him. Kagan. <laughs> oh, <definitely. laughs> um, um, you know, we, we lost at home and then we also lost, you know, a, a game away. So they're, they're that sleeper team. You, you kind of, overlook them. I mean, we had, you know, every, every year we would have Tennessee as, as that next game. So we would overlook them. Um, and then they would just come up there and, and sneak up on us, you know, just kind of like they did in 2019. So, um, could be a trap game. Um, you know, Georgia should hopefully go out there and do what they're supposed to do. But uh, again, preparing for them, um, they're physical, um, and, and, and they have nothing to lose. So, um, they're, they're going to come in there and they're going to be strong, um, they've got, you know, some, some pretty good guys up front. So it'll be an interesting game. You know, I'm looking at it here as well. I know, uh, first year head coach, Shane Beamer and company, uh, you know, looking at what they've done so far, we'll kind of break this down a little bit more so far in regards to what we, you know, what we think for the game, you know, two and oh, you know, for that first year, you know, look, there's some confidence there. Uh, you know, obviously I think you're severely undermatched in regards to talent. Uh, you know, but you can't discredit what Shane Beamer's done there. I think you're also seeing, you know, a culture change in progress. Uh, Kagan, since you were a USC grad, what's what are what are your takeaways so far for the USC program? Uh, you know, obviously with uh, Shane Beamer at the helm. Um, I'm excited about Shane. Um, he came into a tough situation. It's big, um, you know, a rebuilding situation. We lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal, so I do expect this to be a tough year for him on the field. But I, uh, but I do appreciate the culture that he's bringing back because he was there during the spur years a little bit. And um, so he's bringing the culture back. And, and so I'm excited for him in the future, but he has a large task on hand this weekend, though. 
you know, I, I agree with you there. Obviously, Vegas thinks the same way. Uh, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, the last I checked, it was 31 and a half point favorites, which is mind boggling. Obviously, that kind of tells you what they think about this game coming up Saturday. Uh, you know, look, I think this game's going to be played a little bit closer than that, and which you'll see in the in the score prediction later. Uh, you know, but obviously taken away here from an outside standpoint of the USC program. You know, I kind of agree with you there, Kagan. I think, you know, you may see um, you may see an situation where, you know, you're going to struggle. And honestly, that's kind of expected considering, you know, first year change and things like that. Also, I think you have to look at the situation of, you know, who you're playing. Right. And, you know, trying to get recruiting guys, you know, recruiting the right guys for your system, things like that. You know, obviously, I think you see it all time and time again where coaches don't get the time. They have these unrealistic expectations from either boosters or the ADs and they and they can guys before they even get time to really get guys into their system. You know, obviously, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me why people are so hesitant to to change so fast. Obviously, you want to win now, but, you know, the SEC is the hardest division and conference in college football, and it's not even close. It, um, so with that being said, obviously, there's, you know, there's some bad blood here uh, for, you know, from last year in 2019. I mean, uh, you know, obviously coming in and Georgia gets uh, upset, right, by South Carolina. I'm sure Georgia hasn't forgot about that. At least Kirby hasn't forgot about it. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, who knows what the game's going to be like. Uh, Kagan, I do want to ask you a question, though. What are your thoughts on Zeb Nolan? Obviously, that's a good story, right? Uh, obviously, from grad assistant to starting quarterback in the SEC, uh, lead them to a 2-0 program. Look, the wins were not the prettiest, but a win is a win. Uh, you know, obviously, Luke Doty, I think, is the guy just coming, trying to come back from help. You know, what are you seeing uh, if you follow that situation? Uh, you know, do you think that Zeb makes a start or do you what do you think? Do you think Doty comes back? Uh, you're right. The Zeb Nolan story is a good story, but it's also shows you the state of the South Carolina program. that a guy like that can't, is going to have to start. Um, I do feel he'll probably get to start this weekend with Doty coming off that injury, especially going against that Georgia defensive line. Um, He's a Doty's a mobile quarterback, and with that foot not being quite a hundred percent, I don't think he, you want to put him out there against that Georgia defensive line. But um, the Zeb No story is a great story, and um, he gets to come back to Athens, and, and I think he will get the start. But um, just again, that just shows you the state of the program. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Juan. I want to get your opinions here, but I'm looking at a comment here. Uh, in the live chat here, Demonte Nelson, uh, Juan's the best receiver from the 1942 UGA team. I had yeah. I had to I had to let that be known. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Juan, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? What are your thoughts on the quarterback situation at South Carolina? Uh, you know, with Zeb and uh, Doty there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you know here, here it is. Zeb did not have a great game last week against Eastern Carolina, and and you would expect him to. Um, you know, for them to only beat Eastern Carolina by three points, um, you know, just like Kagan said, you can just see the state of the program. Um, but you know what, though, I do credit Shane Beamer for using what he had, um, you know, at, at the time, which was Zeb Nolan, you know, until Doty could get back, until he can get back healthy. So I, I think that, you know, once Doty gets back, I think that, you know, it, it's just going to open up, you know, South Carolina's offense just a little bit more. Unfortunately, right now, Beamer's having to roll Zeb to either one side or the other. Um, in order to just to kind of shorten the field for to make it just a little bit easier for him. But until then, um, you know, I, I think, 
you know, he's the best, you know, you know, as far as what they have right now. I, I, I can agree with you there. Uh, obviously, I think Doty's a guy if he's healthy. Um, you know, looking at that situation, though, I think you have to really be cognizant of, you know, do you put an injured Luke Doty out there against the Wolves, really, uh, against that defense? Uh, you know, obviously, I think you have a better position to win with Doty in there. Um, but, you know, obviously, like you're like both of you said, it's kind of a testament to the state of the program. And this is not a knock on Shane Beamer. Uh, you know, he's doing what he can with what he has uh, until, you know, till recruiting classes fill in and things can change. And, and obviously injuries are coming back and things like that. So, you know, you have to give him credit for for making the most of the situation, whether you know, obviously it was a walk off field goal. You know, but I think nonetheless, though, you know, like I said, a win is a win. And with with that situation there in Columbia, I think any win, regardless of how you get it, is a confidence builder uh, for the momentum of that future in the program. Uh, but obviously, you know, enough about the quarterback situation. You know, there's also something that Georgia really needs to be focused on here, and that's Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch to, for, uh, in what I think is a uh, pretty good uh, uh, defensive line. Uh, you know, I think they're a little bit underrated, you know, because of the questions in, on offense and there's other spots in the secondary. Uh, lots of guys let, uh, get drafted or transferred out. Uh, Kagan, you probably know what I'm talking about with JC mm-hmm. uh, leading the helm there, first round pick. Uh, you know, I'm looking at this situation here. Obviously, there's a ton to replace. But like I said, you do bring back Jordan Birch. You do bring back, uh, you know, Pickens, uh, Zach Pickens. And those guys are really good. Uh, obviously, Georgia fans know the recruitment of uh, Jordan Birch as well. It was very uh, tight and fit, uh, tight-knit battle there. Obviously, South Carolina, the home, uh, home state uh, school stays and pulls out, uh, you know, Birch. Nonetheless, though, you know, do you expect uh, – uh, we'll start off Kagan first, and then we'll go to Juan as well uh, after that. Kagan, what are your thoughts on Pickens and, uh, you know, Birch? I, I think they're they're the unquestioned leaders of that defense. Is that correct? Would that be safe to think that? I will say the defensive line is definitely the strength of the South Carolina team. And I think you're forgetting about uh, Kingsley uh, and Agbar, the defensive end. A lot of um, projections have him going in the first round. He's a Georgia product. Uh, he played at PC Ridge with my son Jalen for the first three years. The senior year, he transferred to Hayville uh, Charter. But uh, he was a three-star guy, not very highly recruited, but he's turned out to be a very good football player. And uh, so he's projected to go in the first round. And the D-line is, a, um, is definitely the strongest suit on that team. And Zach Pickens has got off to a little bit of a slow start the first two years. He hasn't been that productive. Last year was was the most playing time that he uh, received at South Carolina. And we're and I'm expecting him to be, have a big year this year, being a veteran. And um, I'm definitely excited about Jordan Birch. He has a lot of talent, hot talent. He's very highly recruited. And I expect big things out of him. He's had some big plays this year. So I do expect that defensive line to be pretty aggressive and fired up in the beginning of the game. It's just that the depth and as the game wears down, how long would they actually be able to keep that up? I feel you there. Hey, Juan. Obviously, you know, with like I said, Pickens. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to butcher his name, but a neg is that right? A negwa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, sorry, I, I forgot. I don't want to butcher his name, so I apologize yeah. for that. Uh, you know, but with that defensive line and, and the questions that we had talked about yesterday, Juan from the UAB review. You know, obviously our offensive line struggled. Is this a true concern uh, for Georgia uh, with that defensive line? I, I think at the beginning, um, what 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 concerns me are going to be our guards. Um, our, our guards are, are, are really, really struggling. And so, 
you know, fortunately, those those all star defensive ends are going to be on the outside. But if you take somebody and, and, and put them on the inside uh, and, and get some push up the middle, that's going to be tough. Um, the other part, too, is as is, is great as their defense has been playing, that if we are not able to run the ball, eventually they're going to wear down. Um, and, and, and so we're going to have to be able to to run the ball. Um, just to, you know, just to be effective. Now, one of the things that we do have that's that's in our favor is South Carolina's linebackers, they really struggle in coverage. Um, so that's going to help us out a little bit. So if we can just get James Cook, you know, get him out there, you know, one-on-one against, you know, one of those linebackers, a little angle route, or, you know, you even take our, our, our tight end, our, our superstar freshman tight end, and uh, have him run some routes against those, those linebackers and maybe just to kind of ease them up a little bit. But you know, that that line does concern me. Um, the fact that we were not able to successfully run the ball or just completely run over UAB is very concerning. And then, again, you've got a hungry you know, South Carolina team, and, and it doesn't matter. 2-0 and is 2-0. and They're going to have momentum. They want to come into Athens and be the spoiler. So um, we're really going to, I think, really going to have to really, really play uh, very well the first half in order to get to the back half and, and, and just kind of put the game away. I love that. I love that take there, Juan. So, and that's a perfect transition, right? This is a Georgia podcast. So we've been talking a lot about South Carolina. Let's switch it over to what we expect from Georgia. Uh, obviously, the run game has seemed to, um, you know, kind of be a little bit stagnant so far, right? With, you know, with uh, kind of a dud performance against UAB. Uh, testament to both of those defenses, guys. Like Clemson's defense was elite. We knew it coming in. I didn't expect to run the ball, you know, 200 yards, things like that. However, you know, you do want to see that productivity. You want that breakout game. Looking at the game last year, this was the game with, you know, obviously with JT's, you know, second game back. We dominated the ball by running. The, you know, we dominated the game by running the ball. You know, I'm, I'm expecting us to be able to run the ball, you know, but I'm curious to see as well how we handle, you know, do we exploit the, uh, the loss in the secondary that they have a ton of losses. I think you have to exploit that. But I do think, you know, this is the game that, you know, I think Georgia fans are probably going to want to see, you know, Kendall Milton get a touchdown. He almost had one last week. Didn't happen. I think you have to get him into the end zone. You know, I, I think I think everybody's going to go absolutely bonkers if they do. You know, but you kind of want to see a balanced game, I think, as well. You know, obviously, we want, I don't want to see this run for like 300 yards and then kind of just go away from the pass game. But I do think, you know, I, I would like to see us, you know, start to run the ball you know, offensive line, start doing better combo blocks, things, all these little things, you know, to generate, you know, line of scrimmage, all that stuff. We need to, you know, run the ball effectively. And I think that's something that I want to see personally. Uh, also, I think I want to see the tight ends get used again. There is a big recruitment. Juan Kagan, y'all both know who this name, Oscar Dell. And he's really down, in my opinion, I think he's down to Georgia and South Carolina, even though he does have a top four. Look, this is going to be the perfect game to sit here and utilize a tight end for both teams, right? And how, you know, when you look at recruiting, obviously they're recruiting against each other. Brock Bowers has had a ridiculous season as a true freshman. You know, Nick Muse, uh, you know, really good tight end uh, with the Jaheim Bell as well, Kagan, uh, you know, doing doing well as, you know, for South Carolina. You know, do you think that, you know, the game plan, Juan, we'll go first here. Do you think the game plan could be for, you know, Kirby to sit here and utilize the tight ends a lot this game just to send a statement on the recruiting trail? Or do you think he sticks with his guns and tries to just, you know, run the ball 
or you know what 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 are your thoughts there? Well, well, he's gonna he's gonna have to run the ball. Um, I mean, we, here's the the deal: is we don't know who's gonna be playing quarterback. Uh, Kirby is 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 very tight lipped about who's gonna be playing quarterback. Is it gonna be JT? Is it gonna be Stetson Bennett? Is it gonna be Carson Beck? Either way, you're gonna have to establish a running game to help out either your injured quarterback mm-hmm. or your you know you know your fresh quarterback who's coming in who does not have a lot of experience. So. You know, Kirby's not going to go away from that. I mean, that that's just that. Now, your tight ends are going to be one of those things that they're going to use them for their safety nets. They're, they're, they're going to be their check downs, you know, if they cannot get the ball down the field. Um, Oscar Delt, I mean, it's, it's, you know, he, he, he's a great athlete. Um, he actually is going to play against uh, Mill Creek, who has – they have a lot of great athletes over there. So, you really get an opportunity to, you know, to, to see what he's about against a, a, a tough team. But – you know, if I'm a tight end, a top tight end, would I go to Georgia knowing that Burton is there, knowing that, you know, you still got these other top tight ends, you know, or would I want to go and, and, and play for Shane Beamer, who is, you know, on the up and up. And just like, you know, Kagan said earlier, the culture that he's bringing is going to be something special. So, you know, it's, it, you know, got a lot of things to, to consider. Now, if Burton didn't have this breakout year and where, you know, Oscar would say, am I going to still, you know, be behind this guy for two, three years and these other guys, you know, who, who, who knows? But again, it's also, also going to be, you know, will I want to go in there and compete and then try to fight for a spot? So um, a lot of things to think about um, for, for Oscar, but also to Kirby's going to stick to his game plan. He's going to run the ball. I think so, too. I think, you know, obviously, I think, you know, recruiting is one thing, but, you know, winning games is what really is the ultimate prize here. You know, obviously, Georgia has aspirations to get to the playoffs again. Uh, and really win the national title. And and looking so far through two games, uh, not to get too far ahead, Georgia looks like a prime, you know, prime team to sit here and make a true playoff run and, you know, run the tables and win the national title. Uh, obviously looking over here, uh, Kagan, you know, from a from a standpoint of being a, you know, having your son here, right? Let's talk about this. Your son obviously, um, you know, made a statement in, in, in week one, 23-yard uh, catch. You know, he's been used – early obviously in the season you know what are your thoughts on you know the receiving game obviously you see in Jalen things like that I want to switch it over here from from an analytical standpoint to a you know father type you know emotional Mm -hmm. role here what's it like for you to sit you know sit in the stands and watch your son you know kind of just sit there and make plays early and often Mm -hmm. you know and obviously the story from the scholarship to the or from walk on to scholarship sorry um it's a blessing and it's also nerve-wracking as a, you know, as a parent, you want your kid to get on the field as much as possible, so you're hoping that he gets in. But the, like, for instance, that Clemson game, he was going in some key, uh, key situations, third downs, passing situations. So then you're also nervous for your son. If the ball comes his way, you, you got to make the play. So it's, um, it's exciting and nerve-wracking, and you're hoping he's, that he uh, capitalizes on every opportunity that he has. So um, I go through a lot of emotions in, in the stadium <laughs> watching him play action. I could imagine. So, you know, obviously looking at what what he's done so far, you know, obviously, you know, if you're not familiar with Jalen's story, uh, walk on, you know, actually gets a scholarship right before the season starts. Uh, You know, and one of the things, Juan, as you being a receiver here, one of the things that I really like uh, about this team so far is the ability to rotate receivers. You know, you're not just seeing the same two, three guys on the field. You're seeing anybody and everybody. You're looking, you know, from Jalen, you know, from Jalen to Ladd, uh, obviously, with guys coming back, I think you'll see Kieris uh, ease his way back in, Don Blaylock as well. You know, the ability to sit here and really rotate guys in, 
and, and that just shows confidence in the depth that we have at receiver and the quality we have. Uh, so it's always fun to see, you know, like Justin Robinson got his first touchdown, uh, Jalen catching his first pass. You know, obviously hearing the story about that, there's so much going on. And I think that's just a testament to Georgia's depth where we are right now, which leads me to this. The the depth and things like that on defense. I want to switch from – and maybe even understating here, significant problems when it comes down to – you know, uh, South Carolina trying to move the ball on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, you look at Jordan Davis, every one, we talked about this yesterday, that rundown block at being 340 pounds, that is insane. So, you know, you look at that right there, you see the speed that Georgia has. Is this the week that Georgia allows an offensive touchdown? Juan first and then Kagan. Uh, w- what concerns me is the the South Carolina backs, and and it's not necessarily am I worried about them maybe running the ball um, or, or receivers catching. It's them out of the backfield. So you know they have they have Juju, um, who I actually saw. You know we played them in the state championship last year. When I tell you he's just probably one of the most electrifying players um, that 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 will touch the field. Um, if, if Juju McDowell gets the ball out of the backfield on like a little swing pass or screen or maybe an angle route, nobody's going to catch him. I mean, he's he's just that fast and he's that electrifying. So if if it's gonna if they're going to give up a touchdown, it's going to be through one of the backs coming out of the backfield, outside of you know uh, you know Zeb or, or or Doty just you know throwing the ball down the field or them just you know just kind of running right at that defense. It's I mean that's just not going to happen. Okay, again, well, I'll turn it over to you. Do you think this is the week that Georgia allows an offensive touchdown? Um, it's going to be very tough for South Carolina to score. I agree with Juan. If it is a score, it'd be a situation where a back slipping out of the backfield because South Carolina sustaining a, uh, a long drive. I highly doubt that. Um, I really, if I had to bet, I probably would say no because I feel that Georgia's defense is so dialed in. And as you said, they have so much talent, so much depth. When those backup guys coming in, they're fighting for playing time. So they're trying to make sure they do their assignments and make plays themselves. So it's going to be very, very difficult for South Carolina to score, even when the second or third team guys are in, because Georgia's roster is loaded. They have so much talent, and those guys are – all those guys are competing. It's going to be very tough for South Carolina to score, I believe. I, I'm, I agree with both of that, mm-hmm. uh, both of y'all's takes there. I, I have a feeling that I don't think they score an offensive touchdown either. Uh, you know, obviously, I think you have to look at who starts at quarterback because that could honestly tell, you know, the, the case there could change the answer for, you know, yes or no. But where I'm thinking, I think Zeb does start, and I don't see them moving the ball enough. I do uh, see them scoring a couple points, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but also, I think that, you know, the only way for South Carolina to really – you know, move the ball is on a trick play and you have to catch Georgia slipping. But with, you know, and so far through two games, I look at the speed that Georgia has uh, and the discipline they're playing on the, on the defense, whether it's in the linebackers, you know, staying true and, and doing things like that. You know, all the, all three levels of the defense, you see them playing sound football. So, you know, I see the, I see the, I see the, uh, the Gamecocks moving the ball, but I just don't know if they score touchdowns. And so, so obviously I'm going to say no to that. Uh, as well. I'm going to read a couple comments here. Uh, Jay Shipes says that Kiaris will have an immediate impact uh, if he's when he's playing on the offense. Uh, you know, 
Juan, what do you think about, you know, obviously with Kiers, I think you start to see him uh, come back. You know, what are your thoughts on that? As Do you ease him in? Like if he's just coming off that, I would think you would ease him off, uh, ease, you know, ease him in. You know, but I also think that, you know, you can definitely see him making an impact. What are your thoughts on that? I, I would go with more along the lines of easing them in. Um, you know what? Right now, um, the, these games that are coming up are, are not critical, crucial games. Um, so we're going to need him for October. Um, and then you also, too, you want him to get more reps with, you know, JT Daniels when he's healthy. Um, you know, nothing against Stetson Bennett, nothing against Carson Beck. Um, but, but, but you want to just to have them to just to develop that relationship um, and then just kind of ease in that way. But again, uh, October, I mean, it's, it's going to be a gauntlet. So ease him in, let him get his feet wet, you know, but uh, again, make sure that he's got, you know, he's, he's dialed in and locked in with JT when he gets healthy. Absolutely. So we're going to transition from this game to a little bit broader of a topic here. And we're going to look at uh, Juan and myself. Uh, we're going to look at power rankings uh, for the SEC uh, as of week two, heading into week three. Uh, so these are obviously pre-week three uh, projections for anybody that is watching this. Uh, we'll explain them as we'll go first here. I'm going to let Juan do his uh, rankings first, and then I will do mine. Uh, Kagan, uh, I'm going to let you uh, you know, speak on behalf of either one of ours, if you would like. Obviously, kind of let me know where you stand on yours. Um, you know, But Juan, what if anybody's seeing it here, I'm going to let Juan explain his power rankings here. Uh, tell us a little bit why you have these teams where they are. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'll start with the East, um, you know, going bottom up. I mean, Vanderbilt is just Vanderbilt, you know, no, no disrespect, but that Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have a tough time. I mean, they got a tough game against a very good Stanford team um, uh, at home. So that's going to be, you know, really, really rough for them. South Carolina, um, you know, Kagan, we just kind of talked about it. It's going to be tough sledding for them for a little bit. Um, rebuilding, you got, you know, you got Shane Beamer. He's going to be doing some great things. You give him a couple of years and you can see a huge turnaround with, um, you know, when it comes to South Carolina, uh, Missouri. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it, any of these three right here could be just kind of, you know, put one, you know, one, two, three, as far as the, as the bottom. I mean, Missouri is just really not playing, you know, uh, great football right now. Tennessee, um, they're improving. Uh, they got a, a pretty good quarterback. Um, they've, they've got some momentum. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I see them actually making a little bit of noise, um, but but not very much. And then you've got Florida. Uh, you know, Florida is just Florida. Dan Mullen, I mean, he's, you know, a, a great offensive guy, always, you know, you know, prides himself on defense. I think he's got his quarterback. I think he's, you know, looking for that, that dual threat guy. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I see them. Uh, you know, giving Georgia a pretty tough game for some reason, it's just a mental thing. Uh, Kentucky is on the up and up. Um, I've, I've told people for years if Kentucky could ever get a quarterback um, with the talent that they have, you know, surrounding them, you know, they will actually be pretty good. Um, and so, uh, and then of course you got Georgia. Uh, Georgia's the, the, the defense. I, I think Georgia could probably win every game. Uh, on the East, three nothing. I mean, I, I really don't see them giving up a whole lot of points. Even when you get to the Florida, Kentucky, um, I, I think that they're going to, um, you know, smack them around a little bit. Then you go over here, LSU. Um, you know, they they they, they dropped that first game against uh, UCLA, who historically has just not been very good. Um, Mississippi State. You know, uh, 
they are, you know, kind of on a, on a whole rebuilding thing. Um, so it's you know, a little bit tough for them. Um, I, I really just don't see them getting the recruits. I really don't see them getting the athletes. Um, you got, you got Texas A&M, um, you know, anytime, of course, you've got a, a, a Jimbo Fisher team, you know, you should expect them to be, you know, to perform at a high level, but, um, you know, they, they have not so far. Arkansas has been a surprise. Um, they, they've, they've actually been a, been a shock. I mean, they actually went out there and, uh, um, uh, won a game that uh, last week that was very, very unexpected. Um, and so for them to do that, to, to, to beat a Texas team who everybody was just talking about, you know, Texas is going to come into the SEC and really, you know, you know, smash people. It just did not happen. Then you have Auburn. I mean, Auburn, even though they played, you know, some really bad teams, I think they played the Walmart third shift, the first, you know, <laughs> game, um, and then Exxon Mobile, you know, they, they played them the second game. They just look different. You know, Mike Bobo's, you know, done a great job with with Bo Nix. Um, Bo Nix just looks like a, um, a a different player. You've got the great running back, Tanks Bigsby. Um, you got some pretty good receivers, and they have a pretty good defense. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, surprised and shocked at what they've, what they've done. Ole Miss, I mean, hey, Lane Kiffin, wherever he's gone, he's, he's been very, very successful. Uh, that no huddle, real quick offense is, has really, really just been – been a um, been, been a problem, and then of course you've got Alabama, and Alabama is just Alabama, um, and so they're they're always going to be, um, you know, at, at playing at a, at a top level. So that is that that those are my those are my power rankings right there, and then of course to Demonte Nelson, yes, yes, I, I am I grew up a diehard Auburn fan, so <laughs> gotta love these comments. I love hey, keep the comments rolling in, guys. These are good to look at, and I love seeing what's going on here. You know, obviously, <clears throat> uh, Jay Shipes also has a, is a fan of your rankings as well. Uh, so to mine, I'm going to go ahead and pop mine up. Uh, I'll start with the West this time, uh, and I'm gonna work top down from one to seven. Uh, so I'm so obviously look until until they get beat. As long as Saban's there, they're going to be number one in the West, uh, unless you know unless something happens just very out of the ordinary. There, uh, I have Ole Miss at two. Um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think you're looking at Matt Corral uh, in in already in midseason form, ready to go. Uh, but they you know they have to work on that defense. They really do. Um, and honestly, if they can if they can get a better defensive output than what they did last year, which is not not hard to do, there there's a reason why they're second, or at least why I have them second. Uh, you know, you look at Auburn. Look, this is judgment week for Auburn come Saturday. Uh, Happy Valley, you know, Whiteout, whatever. You know, Penn State is going to be a true test because let's be honest, the teams that Auburn has played are not, you know, they're not impressive. So I mean, obviously they're doing what they have to do against those teams. That's expected. The true test is this week, which is obviously why I said it's judgment week. So, you know, Auburn at three right now, this is subject to change depending on how Saturday goes. Well, I'm, I'm going to see if they're real or not come Saturday. You know, looking at four here, uh, you know, as long as Haynes King is not quarterback, I think you have to keep them around the middle of the pack here. You know, obviously with Haynes King, it's a completely different team. Obviously, I think he won't be back until like mid-October uh, so, you know, if, if he's out for, you know, Alabama game or whatnot, that could that will drastically change that outcome of that game. And I think it becomes a blowout rather than a close game. That's uh, so what right now I have them at four. Obviously, that is subject to change to see how Calzada does, uh, you know, moving forward. You know, obviously, at five, I look at Arkansas, I look pleasant surprise. 
been calling this all, you know, basically all offseason. Uh, even said it last year that, you know, if, you know, Sam Pittman uh, as a first year coach, if he won three games last year, that's a, you know, that's a, that's an accomplishment. He got an extension by doing that. Yeah. You sit there, look at that right there, transition over to this season. And look, you just whoops, you just whooped a Texas team. You, know, you can say what you want, but look, number 15 in the country, you know, regardless of what team it is, that's still impressive. So you could tell that Arkansas is going to be a problem. And obviously we have to look forward to playing them October 2nd. So that, you know, you might want to mark on your calendar as well, because that's going to be a physical game. Moving to number six, you look at Mississippi State. Obviously, I think Mike Leach is, you know, you just, I just don't think you get the recruits kind of like one said there. Uh, you know, so until, you know, until you can prove to me that, you know, you can sit there and, you know, hang up 70 points, then I, I just don't feel comfortable with that at all. Uh, and then LSU, look, LSU has a severe problem right now. Uh, you look at Emory Jr. sitting there getting ineligible for the year due to academics. Look, it's not even about football. This is just a program, just a problem, really. Um, you know, taking, you know, loss to UCLA to start the season. Uh, you know, you play in McNeese State, and that's just been rough. And, and the offense never clicked. And I'm going to take and eat my crow hard right now, right? It's completely dry right now because if you don't remember my preseason ranking, I had LSU at two. What a failure for me. Um, so to say that right there, I'm going to transition over to the East. Look, there's no question right now. Georgia is head and shoulders above everybody in the East. Uh, you know, but then we'll, I ain't even going to talk about it because there's no there's no reason why to talk about number one until we just screw around and lose. Moving to number two, I'm with Juan on this. Kentucky, look, I said it all offseason for months. Kentucky's going to finish second in the East. Um they have a passing game where we're able to see a true passing game with a quarterback and will leave us there. Uh, you know, I don't care. You can say he eats bananas the wrong way. I don't care. Anyone says <laughs> that that offense is clicking and everybody knows that Stoops defense is always good with the talent that he's got, you know, and then I have Florida at three. This one is another judgment week because they, they bring in Alabama. And, and right now is the worst time to sit here and have a quarterback controversy, but they have one. Uh, you know, Emory Jones has underwhelmed through two games. Uh, Anthony Richardson seems to me uh, to be the guy that I think Dan Mullen has to make this decision with. But the timing of making it a quarterback change for the, you know, solidify that change. I don't know if you want to do that against Alabama, uh, you know, but obviously looking over on the defensive side of the ball for Florida, they're about to have their hands full and you might see Alabama drop 50 on Florida. Look, this could be the beginning of the end for Todd Grantham there as defensive coordinator, depending on how Alabama comes in. Some people I'm hearing think that it's going to be close. I don't see it that way. Moving to number four, uh, Missouri. I like what Drink is doing there. Um, you know, but I just, you know, obviously they lost to Kentucky. Uh, you know, could they throw around and and beat Florida, right? Florida has had problems with Missouri. Uh, you know, if they can do that, then obviously I think they finished third. Uh, I have them projected preseason to finish third. Uh, obviously, we'll see how that plays out. But, look, Missouri is about where they need to be. Uh, you know, they're sneaky. They're sneaky. Uh, moving down to five, Tennessee. Look, you know, you sit there, you you, you just take a loss to uh, to Pitt at home. I think that's the litmus test for them. I, I don't see them being that great. I think you could see moving forward, this is just a project, uh, projection here. I think South Carolina will bump over Tennessee as the, uh, as the season goes on. Uh, currently, looking at what South Carolina is at six, 
I, I like that they're two and zero. I wanted them to be two and zero coming in, uh, but look, the way they got there just is concerning to me. Uh, Walk off against ECU, uh, you know that just tells me that they're not on that level to you know to go up to the top tier yet or to that next tier. Uh, so until other until further notice, basically, uh, I'm have to keep them toward the bottom half. Look, I didn't even want to put Vanderbilt on this list, but I had to put their name down because they're technically a part of the conference. <laughs> so they're number seven. Uh, you know, look, I, I understand that they won, but my goodness, it, it's it's not going to be pretty. I, I don't see any game they play being pretty this year. Uh, I think they play – is it uh, Stanford this, right? So they play yeah, Stanford, Stanford. yeah. Yeah, so look, Stanford's going to come in there and they're going to play as if it's a home game. Because, look, the place is just, like, non-existent. Uh, it's going to be ugly for Vanderbilt. I do not see them moving. Uh, I do not see them moving up whatsoever for this. So you might as well just look at Vanderbilt and get a picture where it is because that's where they're going to be. <laughs> that's just all I can say there about that. Kagan, so obviously you saw mine and Juan's. You know, what are your projections? We'll keep the we'll keep the uh, the teams up, and I'll let you go off of yours, let you do a uh, projection for yourself. Okay, um, both of y'all lists, I don't really have any uh, big gripes about, uh, especially at the top. I mean, Alabama and Georgia are clearly the best two teams in the SEC, and I think they'll end up that way at the end of the season and face off for the championship. Um, the only one I would say at the bottom, LSU, I feel like they won't finish at the bottom. Um, I don't expect them to rise up to the top second, but I feel like they'll be middle of the pack somewhere. Um I feel like that UCLA, that's the best UCLA team that Chip Kelly's had so far, and and they definitely showed it against LSU. I think LSU has too much talent to finish in the bottom. Um, even though I don't trust Ed Orgeron, don't think he not, might not necessarily be the right man there, but I do feel like they have too much talent to finish at the bottom of this year. And um, and on the and on the East, the Kentucky and Florida at uh, number two, those are ones I kind of uh, battle with how they will finish up. Uh, and I think I just give the edge a little bit to Florida. I need to, I don't necessarily trust Kentucky to finish uh, at number two. I give Florida a little bit. Uh, I guess I just give them a nod based on history and I think they're a little bit more talented. That is a reasonable explanation there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so translation over here, obviously, you know, just kind of go through some comments here, obviously for those that are watching uh, the overlay uh, for the rankings, you know, looking through here, it seems like, you know, Tennessee being in a, uh, a quarterback carousel from Jay Shipes, uh, you know, Jay, Jay also mentioned Mizzou play Kentucky hard, uh, Tennessee's depleted. So uh, obviously there's some, uh, well, and then Jay also said that uh, LSU will improve in his opinion. Uh, Hugh Freeze will be coached sooner than he expected. Uh, that would be a hot take there considering <laughs> Hugh's background, but look, damn good coach though. I'm not, I can't say not. Um, and Tanil just popped in. Uh, Tanil Calvino just popped in. Uh, she still thinks that Mizzou could beat Florida. Look, m- past ten years, it's been five and five. That rec- that that record for between those two games of five and five. Anything can happen. Uh, so what we'll do here, we'll do a uh, we'll let Kagan start first, and then Juan, I'll let you do yours. Kagan, give us your score prediction for this game. Um. Georgia scores in the high 40s. So I'm going to go 48 and I'm going to give South Carolina six. So he's so, so Kagan clearly thinks that the, uh, the Vegas is getting this right. Like I said before, uh, 31 and a half point favorites here. Uh, so 
Kagan has uh, Georgia covering the spread here. Juan, what are your thoughts on the score projection? Uh, score? Mine are actually going to be in tears. So if if, <laughs> JT, if JT plays, you know, I see 45 nothing. If uh, Stetson Bennett plays, I'd see maybe like 31 nothing. Carson Beck, I'd probably say 24, 24 nothing. Goodness. All right, Juan, Juan has no faith in those game clocks down there, man. I mean, look, that defense is just too tough, man. Look, <laughs> look you're, not, you're not wrong. I'm not going to say that you're not wrong. I got mine a little bit. I think I've tempered mine a little bit. I don't think it reg- matters regardless of quarterback in regards to if it's Stetson or JT. Uh, I've got 35-6. And the reason why I say that is I think South Carolina will get a couple of plays or, you know, pass interferences to move them into field goal range. Because, look, their kicker is not bad. I'm not going to say that he's he's not bad. Uh, you know, but I do think that, you know, look, we play physical man coverage, and that leads to penalties from time to time. So, you know, while I don't see them scoring a touchdown, I do see, you know, Beamer throwing out some plays or, you know, getting, you know, penalties or whatever to get them into, you know, scoring range. Uh, so I have them hitting two field goals. Uh, but I do think that, you know, Georgia handles this game. Uh, yeah, I expect us to go up a little bit fast. And then I think from there, I think you might see, you know, working on the run game, like we said before, this is the game to get the run game started. You have to get that spark in the run game. Uh, offensive line has to do better in blocking. I think this is the week to do this, especially with the first SEC game. So I expect us to get up early uh, and, and just keep running the you know just keep running the ball, establish the run game, and get that run game going. We saw the passing game is there. Now let's get the run game and become a complete offense. Uh, look, I just wanted to say thanks, Kagan, and obviously Juan for coming on for uh, again. Uh, look, tomorrow's going to be fun. Remember, wear red if you're going to the game. Uh, 7.30 uh, kickoff on ESPN, I believe it is. Yes, and so, Kagan, again, hey, look, tell people where they can find you. Um, I'm really not on social media that much. Um, Instagram is Kagan297. Um, and um, But um, I'll be at the game tomorrow, and I thank you guys for having me on. I very appreciate it. Go dogs. Hey, it's always a pleasure having uh, anybody that's affiliated with Georgia. Hey, look, I know you graduated from USC, but you got affiliated to uh, – you're affiliated with Georgia now, man, so you're part of the family, so. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yeah. It's been a fun ride. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. Hey, and, and you know, I, I already told you, I called it before uh, that Clemson game that Jalen was going to make a big play, and he made a couple of big plays, so that, that, that's yeah, great. Thanks a lot, man. That was exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna leave. This is gonna be our last comment reading live uh, for the podcast listeners. Demonte Nelson cracking on Juan once more. Hmm. Juan, uh, Demonte asked Juan, "What was it like catching passes from Fran Tarkenton?" It, it was great, man. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, just to be able to catch passes in black and white. You know, and had the leather helmets and stuff like that. It was it, it was amazing. <laughs> what well, was Larry Munson? His tw- Larry Munson was probably in his twenties then, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think actually he was a toddler at the game, probably. probably ah, fair him. enough, fair enough. But, but I, I do want to give a shout out to De, uh, to to Demonte, um, a great great friend of mine. He um, plays quarterback. It's for the Med Freeze, um, and so if you guys get a chance to to check him out, look him up. Um, he's, he's a great quarterback, great friend, man. And, uh, so glad that he could, uh, come on here and give me a little, give me a little business. <laughs> <laughs> look, we're going to wrap this show up for today. Uh, look, as always, find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, at the DGD podcast. 
uh, watching live on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, um, wherever you get your podcast, listen, make sure you like, subscribe, rate us, review us. Uh, all that stuff helps out as well. Uh, but on that note, though, guys, look, hopefully we'll come back on here next Thursday talking about a, a successful Georgia win. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a fun game. Uh, hopefully the weather holds off and it doesn't rain too much. But nonetheless, uh, we'll end the show here, guys, and go dogs. Go dogs. This is the DGD podcast. Go dogs. And on video, we are back for comments and Q&A.